when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back, folks. We are now officially in the double digits of Biscuits podcast because this is number 10. We've gotten to episode 10, which is a full season of HBO shows. So we are just as successful as Westworld and that Sarah Jessica Parker show about divorce, which I think is called Divorce. I'm not really positive. I've seen the commercials. As you know, I am Dave Lozo and I am in the Vice offices in Brooklyn and someone else is on the line. Hello. Hello, this is Sean McIndoo, and I'm in the vice offices in Ottawa, which is also my dining room. The beauty of this podcast is, is that Sean basically can just wake up if he wanted to at noon, roll out of bed in his underwear, throw some Chef Boyardee in the microwave, eat while he's doing this podcast. But I come here, <laughs> and I believe this is now the fifth straight week in which I have recorded in a different area in Vice. I am looking out a window at a bunch of young people typing on their laptops being young with their hats and their hoodies and their toques and i'm over here all bald and old and it's really it's just depressing but what's not depressing is hockey right sean hockey's exactly great. hockey's wonderful yeah i like hockey i like alex ovechkin i like him a lot yeah lots of people like him a lot this week because he had two major milestones in back-to-back it well really one major milestone in that he hit the thousand point mark a couple of nights ago and then the other one was that he did he tie or did he actually pass maurice um, the rocket richard I mean, he must have passed him now because he scored since but he caught up to maurice the rocket richard in terms of uh all-time goal scored which was oh right it was goals yeah yeah which was interesting because that gave us all an excuse to have the who's better debate <laughs> and where does ovechkin fit in terms of history's great goal scorers, history's great wingers, history's great players, period. As you can imagine, you had a lot of current day capital fans who were pushing very hard that, that he belongs pretty much at the top of that list. And then you also had some of the Montreal fans or maybe fans who were a little more old school saying, let's slow down and this guy's great, but he's not the rocket. I, I don't know. We, we can get into that a little bit. You know, where does... Alexander Ovechkin rank on your all-time list if you were ever to generate such a list. First of all, Maurice Richard is the second best player in NHL history to be called the Rocket. What up, Pavel Bore? <laughs> I know you're better than that old guy. You would have destroyed him if you played back in his day. 
an important clarification too, I think, is Ovechkin's two accomplishments are ranked in this manner is one, 1,000 points. He got there against the Penguins. And two, he got the honor of scoring a goal in Montreal, the greatest hockey city in the world. And it doesn't matter if it was goal 534, goal 16. Any goal scored in Montreal is more special because it was scored in Montreal where they owned hockey for approximately 50 years because the NHL was a six-team league and the draft system was rigged and that's why they were so good, but we're not going to get into that. Obviously, if you just put Maurice Richard next to Alex Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin is a better athlete, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he's better in every way. But if you're comparing him across eras, he's only, is he 30 or 31? He's, he's, he's 31 one of the now. Thir- He's 31. Like He still has probably three or four more peak years left, and he's already at 1,000 points. He's definitely going to get to... I don't want to jinx him. I don't want him to blow out his knee tomorrow. He's very, very likely going to get to 700 goals. He's got a shot at 800. I know what people are going to say. Oh, he's playoffs and Stanley Cups, and he he isn't a winner like Richard was, even though, again, there was only six teams, and it was all fixed so Montreal could win, and they really haven't done crap since the league expanded. Ovechkin's better, right? I mean, come on, right? It's tough because you're right. You have to compare era to era. Because if we don't do it that way, then it just gets completely ridiculous. I mean, Maurice Richard's signature achievement was he was the first ever player to get 50 goals. He was the first ever player to get 50 goals in 50 games because back then the season was only 50 games long. And that really was an amazing achievement back then. And I know people talk about, well, you know, Ovechkin plays his whole career in the dead puck era. But the eras were actually somewhat similar. I mean, when Richard first broke in, goal scoring was a bit higher than it is today. And towards his prime years, it was actually a bit lower. So it's more of an apples to apples comparison than it would be to, for example, compare Alexander Ovechkin to Mike Bossy or somebody who played in the 80s. Right. But you have to compare it era to era, because if you put the two guys side by side, it's not even close. Like if you put Alexander Ovechkin in a time machine and you sent him back to 1945 and let him loose on the NHL, he would score 50 goals in 50 minutes of his first game. (laughs) He would be absolutely unstuck. Like, he would be like a monster from another planet to those players back then. I I mean, first of all, just in terms of conditioning, you send him back to 1945. He's not just (laughs) in the best shape of any player on the team or in the league. Like, he would be in the best shape of any athlete in the world. Any human. Yeah, they would have never seen... Like, NHL players used to smoke between periods until, like, the late (laughs) 70s. So it would not even be close. So you put him out there... And him going full speed for the entire game, there's nobody who could keep up with him. I mean, maybe if you want to do a straight blue line to blue line race, Maurice Richard was a fantastic skater. Maybe he keeps up with Alexander Ovechkin that way. But in terms of just going full speed for an entire game and the conditioning and just going all out, every single shift, Alexander Ovechkin would go and steal the puck from whoever had it, teammate or otherwise, murder him too by the way probably put that person through the glass yeah probably isn't strong enough to support that kind of a hit he would go end to end he would deke out the entire team easily and then he would get to a go and it would look like a soccer net to him like to see (laughs) what a you know what it looked like back then and i mean literally the only way 
that you would stop him would be that somebody would actually have to maim him. Right. And it would happen too, by the way. It would happen in like game two, like some guy on Toronto would just absolutely hit him from behind and then like step on his neck with his skate yeah. and just be like, Hey, why don't you go back to Russia? And he'd get fined seventy five dollars. But they'd have to <laughs> they'd have to catch him for that to happen. So I mean, it is tough because this has come up bigger picture, this whole thing with the NHL and they did their top one hundred ranking and as a result other places have put out their own versions and I've kind of criticized the NHL a little bit because they didn't actually do a top one hundred ranking. They're just doing a list of names. And mm-hmm. just putting them out there, and they're not putting them in any order or any ranking. And to me, on the one hand, it feels like a cop-out. It is. But on the other hand, like, there's a part of me that gets it. There's a guy who was basically the Alexander Ovechkin of the NHL's first decade. Guy's name was Babe Die. Babe Die. And he led the NHL in scoring, I, I want to say, three times in the first decade that the NHL existed. So, you know, he, he was basically the Ovechkin the Rocket Richard of his day. You know what his signature move was? When you look up the history of this guy, he wasn't very big. He wasn't very fast. He didn't even shoot the puck very hard. But he was the first guy who could get a shot away very quickly and get it on net. And that's how he scored his goals. Like he would basically, the puck would come to him and he would fire it at the goalie before the goaltender was ready and set and the puck would go in. And he actually scored a lot of his goals from his own side of the red line because the puck would just come to him and he would just fling it down the ice and before the goaltender could like crab walk over to the other side of the crease the puck was in the other players and the officials didn't even realize that a goal had been scored because the whole thing happened so quickly like how do you compare the first guy who could actually accurately shoot a puck and manage to lead the league in scoring like put him in the nhl now and have him go out there try your old Try your old tricky shot from your own blue line move right now. I mean, the guy would literally not score one goal in today's NHL. So is he one of the top 100 players of all time? I mean, the guy wouldn't be one of the top 100 players in the Metro division right now (laughs) if you teleported him in. But relative to the time, yeah, I think he'd have to be. And this is what makes it tricky because I, I really feel like hockey, maybe more than any other sport, the comparison from era to era is just so massively different that I don't really know how you rank these guys. All right. First of all, if he was in the Metro, to be fair to Babe Die, he'd probably get one of those past Steve Mason. Let's be real. Come on. That's possible. And two, um, if you're looking for a way to rank 100 guys, I feel like if we got, I don't know, say like three people together over an email chain over the course of like a month and we set parameters and we ranked a bunch of very good players using a specific set of characteristics and traits, and then we organized them, I feel like we could probably put that together like me you and maybe one other person i think that's possible don't you think that's intriguing i i i pay good money for that i mean that would be something that if you got that for just the right price you would be doing yourself a favor because you would be learning and you would be having fun as well because of something like that a person on a podcast might have really extensive information about babe die that he's going to pull out of his ass and you're going to say to yourself why does he have that and you just be like oh it's probably because he was doing some sort of research for a thing it's an intriguing idea yeah i just i'm just throwing that out there put a a bookmark in that and file that away yeah yeah, we'll come back to that. An ebook, Mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Like, I, I still feel like that even if you do that, because, like, for instance, let's take a guy by the name of Dick Clapper, for instance, a guy who played way back in that same sort of era. I was looking over his numbers, and he was very similar. He was a very good player. I forget what he topped out at, but he was something probably like at 400 points, which, you know, at the time made him like one of the best scorers of all time. 
But Dit Clapper, who, by the way, is named Dit Clapper. <laughs> I just want to keep saying that because, by the way, that, that's the best part about old-time hockey is the names. Dit Clapper. Babe Die. Like, I mean, where, where is Babe Die in any sport today? I, I, if there is a Babe, there's a Jermaine Die in baseball. If there is a, if there is a Babe Die, I would buy a Babe Die jersey. But and, the point and is, is by, this, by the way, go and Google Babe Die and just check out what this guy looked like. He's got the greatest hair of any hockey player ever. This guy has got like Henrik oh, Lundqvist's yeah? hair, except he had it like you know, 140 years ago or whatever it was. It's beautiful. I can't recommend it highly enough. See, like I, I, that was the one thing I came across while I was potentially researching stuff for a thing is all the guys from like 1950 and then behind that, they all had like greasy, slick down, like old timey hair. Like there was nothing like full and lush. I'm, I'm really yeah. curious about actually, actually, if I Google babe die and I do an image search, can I do that at the vice office or am I going to get fired for <laughs> looking up babe die images? And, and the, the, that's probably not a good, what are we talking about again? Ovechkin? I think we're talking about Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, but Dick Clapper. Yes. Let's get, get back to Dick. He was very similar probably like as the babe die where he was just playing at a time where you know it was just a bunch of dudes who barely knew what they were doing but i mean he was a six foot two like 200 pound dude so i feel like if you dropped good old dick clapper into the nhl today like there'd probably be a learning curve but you throw some you know nike skates on him you throw some real pads on him you give him a, a two-piece stick you, you probably get scored 20 goals today like, i, I feel like so. there's probably i don't come I, on. I think i think the gap between eras is far bigger than people think now if you drop Rocket Richard in today's NHL, you know, give him the modern equipment and all of that. I'm not sure that he's going to be a star player. Now, if you have Rocket Richard somehow get born in 1990 and he grows up with modern coaching and, you know, and all of that with his natural ability and his DNA and his competitiveness and his hockey sense and all of that stuff, then that's a different picture. You know, maybe now, you know, maybe he comes in the league and maybe he's the guy scoring 60 goals a year. But I, I like I've I've said this before. I honestly think you could, you know, since since we've already got our our time machine teleporter broken out for this conversation, like mm-hmm. go go get the 1977 Canadians and bring them to present day. I don't think they beat a single NHL team. Wow, not one. There has to be one they'd beat. They they well, eh, yeah. They would go out there. They with you know they they'd all suck back a few cigarettes before they hit the ice. They'd be going out there against a bunch of you know like the the modern day like even even in the mid nineties like players used to still get fat in the summer and then come and sweat it off at at training camp. Now every single player is like a Gary Roberts kale chugging zombie, <laughs> and, and you know who go full speed. It's forty like I mean back then you know they. Guy Lafleur would come out for one of his three-minute shifts where he glides around and then breaks into a sprint one time when he has a scoring chance, which is how the game was played back then. They'd be going out there against guys taking 40-second shifts, going full speed. They'd be bigger, stronger, faster than any team they'd ever played. And, you know, and then you get to the end and there's a, a goaltender wearing a suit of armor and you've got absolutely no net to shoot at. If you even get that far because you're playing it against, uh, you know, a players who have been brought up and drilled on the neutral zone trap and positioning and everybody knows their exact milestone on every place in the ice they're supposed to be uh i think they'd be blown i don't think they beat the arizona coyotes today well if you just like pick them up and drop them in but like what if you gave them what if you gave them like a year of training what if you like took larry robinson and all those guys and you dropped them into the nhl after like a full season of like i don't know who's an unemployed coach they would 
do do the job. I'm not an employee coach. You, you give Mike Babcock twenty million bucks to, to coach the 1976-77 time travel Montreal Canadiens for a year, get them in shape, give them coaching, tell them where to go, explain to them how the red line doesn't matter anymore. They'd be good, right? Come on. At some point, yeah. I don't I don't know if Mike Babcock would take the pay cut, but I think <laughs> somebody. Yeah, it, there would be a point where. Clearly, yes, you would you would get them up to that point. I'm just saying that you know, take the snapshot right now, and and I know we love to, you know, romanticize the the past and everything, but I I think you know this is it, it's it's the great tragedy of the NHL today because you know the, Gary Bettman for all the nonsense that he spews about how everything's great and everything's fine and and nobody has ever had a complaint about his NHL that he's ever heard. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is true when he says the game's never been better, never been faster, never been played by you know, bigger, stronger, like that is all true. It, it doesn't add up to a better product. In fact, you know, you, you and I, I think have argued that it, it all adds up to a product that's, that's nowhere near as, as fun or entertaining as it could be. But yeah, I, I really feel like the the gap just over our lifetime is, is so massive. Um, but to, like to bring it back to Ovechkin, here, here to me is this is the most amazing Alexander Ovechkin stat that I that I think you can you can give. In fact, I heard somebody say this the other day, and I actually had to stop and and go and look it up because I'm like that can't possibly be right. Uh, but but the, the 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 number they gave is basically if Alexander Ovechkin can play another ten years, which is not out of the question, if he can score thirty five goals a year for the next decade. He will catch Wayne Gretzky for the all-time NHL goal-scoring league. He won't, though. I, I'm not saying that he will. He's too physical. The fact that that is even in play, the fact that Alexander Ovechkin playing his entire career in the dead puck era is even within realistic range of the greatest offensive player ever who played in the greatest offensive era ever is is amazing to me. And I know like some... if if, if some of the people listening to this, if you're, if you're younger or, you know, you only sort of got into hockey in the in the 90s or towards the end of Gretzky's career, you think of him as, well, he was a playmaker. He wasn't a goal. Like, Wayne Gretzky was a ridiculous goal scorer. Wayne Gretzky scored 92 goals. Uh, Wayne Gretzky had, you know, multiple 80-plus goal seasons. The fact that anybody in today's era can come close to that in, in an era where goal scoring is like two-thirds of what it was back then is 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 amazing to me. And, and I do like, I, as much as I, I'm maybe on the fence a little bit on the whole, you know, rocket Richard comparison, like Alexander Ovechkin, I don't feel gets enough credit for oh, how amazing he has been, uh, and, and what he's done. And I, yeah, may, maybe you're right. Maybe part of it is because of this, this dumb obsession with cup rings and playoff success and, and all this other stuff that one guy, uh, if you're not a goaltender, one guy can't really make make that big a difference and that is the weird thing too about the nhl is how like you said gary bettman any chance he gets the game's never been greater than it is now it's so fast and all yeah okay great so why are there only going to be six dudes currently playing today on that top 100 list like why is it that alex ovechkin constantly has to like you said alex ovechkin has a chance even if it's small to catch wayne gretzky in goals and yet everything about Alex Ovechkin for almost his entire career is just, here's everything he sucks at. Here's why he's bad. And meanwhile, like, and, other, and the thing you said about the goals, like when he, when he got to 999, 
I, I I sat down on my computer and I'm like, oh no, did I fall asleep for three years? Is he is he like 35 years old now? Like, is this how old am I now? What's no, he's still only 31 years old and he's at a thousand points in the dead puck era, and it's just so weird to me how I don't know what it was like back in the day. I don't know if like you know Maurice Richard was out there scoring goals, and making great plays, and there was like some French announcer who was like, oh I do not know, he is not a very good back checker. He does not have the heart of a uh, Jean Belov or whatever it was. Like I don't know what it was, but Ovechkin has basically been outside of Crosby, the best player in hockey for a decade plus. And it doesn't feel like it. Like I feel like what reflects back in terms of like what people say and what people write about him. And the other thing too is, by the way, he's been a completely different player since Barry Trotz got there. I, the one thing that drives me insane is but like the way he plays now and everyone's like, Oh, remember when you guys used to criticize Ovechkin? Well, I mean, there was a, there was a reason he did coast back into his own zone a lot and cost his team goals. Let's, let's not pretend like he was this complete player the whole entire time, but he was always a super duper fun. That's the thing too, is like, there's so few fun hockey players in the NHL today because of systems and how close everybody is. There's not a lot separating players. And now he's at what a thousand and one points. And it's just like, I don't know, Maurice Richard, he won his cups. And, like, come on, like, what does Ovechkin have to do to become this guy that he should – like, I, I'm not the biggest NBA fan, but I feel like everybody understands at this point LeBron's awesome. Everybody understands Steph Curry's awesome. Everybody understands Kevin Durant's awesome. Like, there's no one who's out there like, – like, Kevin Durant hasn't won a championship. No one's like, Kevin Durant doesn't try hard. Kevin Durant – I don't get that vibe at all from that sport. And in our sport – our sport in this sport it's not my sport i don't own it it's just constantly shitting on everybody from like crosby on down and i don't know if that's because of the thing where everybody wants to pretend like everything in the 60s and 70s and the 80s was super awesome but like i just feel like ovechkin deserves so much love he's such a lovable guy too even though he's russian and he's probably going to be named to the cabinet by donald trump in the next two weeks but that aside <laughs> ovechkin deserves more love man but let's and and yeah i mean let's let's be honest that's part of it he's russian yeah that is a part of it. Uh, the fact that he has a personality is a part mm-hmm. of it, because as much as we complain about boring players, we prefer guys who act like Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves to guys who act like Alexander Ovechkin and P.K. Subban. There, there's just this certain segment of the hockey fan world that that prefers, you know, keep your head down, be boring, mutter something about giving 110%. Uh, and uh, and and stay in your lane, and and I think that's part of it. And uh, you know, but beyond that, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, this 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 feels like one of those situations where at some point Alexander Ovechkin is going to retire. He's gonna he's he's gonna go away. He's gonna maybe go back to KHL. Who knows? Uh, and we're all just gonna kind of go, oh wait a second, like <laughs> that guy was amazing. Right. It, which, you know, kind of, in a way, is kind of what happened with Yarmir Jagr. I feel like with Jagr, he wasn't ever, you know, he was respected and he was treated as one of the best players in the game, but he was never really viewed as this iconic player until he left. And then, in in that case, he actually came back and we had a chance to sort of right the wrong and realize that, you know, this this guy is, this guy is, was, was really something special, even to the point where we kind of overcorrected and now he's like a 50 point player and we all act like he's still, (laughs) still a a superstar. And I don't know, I, I, maybe like maybe the best thing that could happen for Ovechkin is like next year for him to just take the year off because he's mad because the NHL is not going to the Olympics. And then, you know, when he came back, we'd, we'd suddenly all realize that we're watching like literally one of the, the greatest goal scorers ever. 
and and quite possibly the greatest goal scorer period end of list uh, of all time. I think Kovalchuk is kind of like that too. Like I feel like he never really got the love he deserved until the Devils got to the Cup final and then he quit and then that was different too, but like when Kovalchuk eventually comes back and you know he's going to Radulov Radulov already came back. Like it's it, it, we always joke too like oh man if he was Canadian blah 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 but it does seem as though all of the super duper awesome players who aren't Canadian, even like Nick Backstrom, I feel like Nick Backstrom isn't appreciated the way he should be. I think he's been to the All Star game what like once. Like he's he's like the greatest. He's like Swedish Joe Thornton, only he's a little bit younger, <laughs> and nobody seems to yeah. appreciate that guy. Why? Why? You know what? I, I realize this podcast has basically been nine episodes of this is what sucks. But today we're different. Today we I want to talk about all of the greatness of Alex Ovechkin and everything around him and. I really hope he does win the Stanley Cup at some point. I'm, I'm afraid he's not going to because of the guys around him, and then he'll get blamed for it because that's another thing hockey fans do. But uh, I, you know what? Like as, as as someone with no rooting interest in the Capitals, I, there's almost a part of me that doesn't want him to win the Cup just because I don't want us all to get let off the hook on this this stupid Cup winning thing. Like there's a part of me that wants to see him go score 800 goals, have. 1600 career points and not win a Stanley Cup and actually force us to kind of reckon with that and go, you know what, it's completely ridiculous to hold that against him when he was 118th of a roster. And, you know, and, and it's not like, you know, his, it's not like his playoff numbers are terrible. It's not like he's, he's a guy who's just been, he's, he's been a point of game player in the playoffs. He's, he's, I mean, he's basically he's played 84 games in the playoffs and he's got 41 goals. So he's played a full season worth of hockey in the playoffs, and he's a 40-goal scorer. It's not his fault that the Capitals haven't won a Stanley Cup. I'm going to look up stats of somebody, and then I'm going to ask you for oh, – oh, my phone's my phone's giving me a virus as I'm as I'm on HockeyReference.com. <laughs> but like like Brett Hull. Remember Brett Hull? Remember that guy? All he did was, all he did was score goals. And I'm, I'm like almost, almost positive he didn't win a Stanley Cup until he got – to be on an all-star team in Dallas, right? Like once he once he got on, yeah. once he got surrounded by Mike Badano and great defensemen and Ed Belfour, suddenly suddenly Brett Hull is a winner. Brett Hull goes to Detroit and is surrounded by superstars there. Suddenly, suddenly Brett Hull can't can't you can't deny what a champion Brett Hull is. Like in a way, it's almost commendable that Alex Ovechkin isn't constantly saying trade me to this team, trade me to that team, which is harder to do in a salary cap area when you're making eleven million bucks a year. But I, it's just again Brett Hull. Half Canadian, half American. So he's got he's got no he's got no way to get criticized if he's not winning Stanley Cups. But yeah, I I hope he wins it. I do. I, I hope he wins the cup, and then he he's the first person to take the cup and not pass it to anybody, and he just leaves the ice with it, and then just gives the finger <laughs> to everybody. Like he wins it, he wins it on the road. It's like Washington over Chicago. He raises his middle fingers to everybody at United Center and just leaves with the cup, and then nobody ever sees it again. That's that's my dream for Alex Ovechkin. I feel like if the Washington Capitals beat the Blackhawks for the Stanley Cup in Chicago, I feel like Gary Bettman would come out and just give the Stanley Cup to Jonathan Taves anyways. <laughs> and just be like, and they'd be like, you're making a mistake. He'd be like, there's no mistake. You're the Stanley Cup champions. You get to keep this. It, let's it, not, not to, we're not really changing subject here because this, this is linked in with the Ovechkin thing. But you did mention that in the NHL's top 100, they have, they have unveiled the 33 guys who played in the pre-expansion era, they've got 67 guys left who played in, I, I guess what you would call the, the modern era uh, from 1967 on. And there was a report 
I think it was Elliot Freeman who said that there are six active players on that top 100 list. That seems really low. Really low. Especially if you if you view this as a marketing exercise, which is clearly right. what it is. Right. You would think you would err on the side of having a lot of guys who are currently active in there. Only six. I mean, again, like, if you and I were to make our own list. Hypothetically. In, hypothetically, in some alternate universe where we had our own list, I feel like we would have a lot more than six guys from the current day NHL that would be... That would be on that list. Like when you factor in, like Jaeger's a sure thing, Crosby's a sure thing, Ovechkin's a sure thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So when you think of all the other players that you could make a case for, right. the, the idea that there's only three of three other guys. And, and does the NHL consider Chris Pronger active? Because he is, and he's going to be on the list. So And, and Pavel Datsuk as well. I, I mean, right. you'd, you'd assume those guys can't possibly be. And then the other thing was, was Elliot then uh, went, went further and, and gave sort of his thoughts on who those six players would be. And, and like the thing you have to understand with, with Elliot Friedman and guys like that, like if I say I have a thought, right. <laughs> that's, that's what it means. It means I woke up, this thought fluttered into my head, went through zero filters, and now I'm just going to spit it out into the world for everyone else to deal with. Like when Elliot Friedman has a thought, it means that he's talked to people, he's run it by people, like he's, he's so connected uh, with, with people in the NHL world. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's never just a thought. It's this is something that's that's coming from from somewhere else, and and people have have sort of nudged him in a certain direction. And he had, I'm trying to remember his list. He he said Ovechkin, Crosby, Jagger, Thornton. I think is a guy he speculated about, and then it was like Kane and Taves, and maybe one. He other He had guy. Kane and Taves. And then he was sort of like, well, who's the sixth guy? Yeah, like really Kane and, uh, man, I, I love Johnny Taves. I get it, but he's not one of the 100 best players of all time. He's not. I feel like there's a case for Jonathan Taves. Yeah. I feel like, you know, certainly like Joe Thornton, Sedano Chara, uh, you know, there, there's Chara, the Sedins. yeah, There's guys like that. Uh, Jerome McGinley, to me, how is Jerome McGinley not a sure thing for the top 100? Maybe Elliot's talking about like the six guys who like maybe are just like because like Jerome McGinley is basically at the end maybe it's like yeah but he's got Jaeger he's got Jaeger on the list yeah. uh you know like Evgeny Malkin like there, there's so many guys I would I I could come up with 10 or 15 guys that I would maybe not necessarily have in my top 100 but would you know if you had them in yours I'd be like yeah okay I can say Patrick Kane would not be on anywhere near that right. list for me and this has nothing to do with off the ice stuff or marketing or what you know what kind of message you sent patrick kane is you know maybe he's on track to get there maybe at the end of his career you know certainly there's a good chance but the idea that patrick kane is a sure thing up there with crosby over like it, it's just so like i stopped when i read it and i was like did i like did i miss the premise of this like what are we 
Patrick Kane, if if we did this list one year ago before he had his had finished his MVP season, like would he even be in the conversation? No, it, that and that's the thing too is if like say you're doing this and you want to, of course you're the NHL you want to have as many Blackhawks as you possibly can on there. Like wouldn't wouldn't I still say I still this because we we've had this conversation. I still think Duncan Keith is the most valuable piece of the entire you know Blackhawk pseudo dynasty. He's 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 won two Norris trophies. He's won a Conn Smythe. I know Kane won a Conn Smythe too. But Keith, um, especially the last Cup run where he was playing thirty minutes a night, and they basically had four defensemen. Like he's he's so more. I think he's so much more valuable to that team. I think in terms of like how good he is at his position in relation to how good Taves, especially and Kane, are at their position. He's so much better, and he's not even mentioned. Like I, you're right. Like I don't get how. If this is this is this is one hundred percent a marketing thing. It's the hundredth year. Technically, it's the 99th because there was an entire season lost to a lockout. But whatever. It's the, it's a centennial celebration. Why would you have a so few guys currently playing today? Especially if you're going to unveil it at the All Star Game, where a lot of those guys will be. And B, why 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 Taves and Kane? Like you're right. You can make a case for Taves, I guess. But yeah, I I still feel like I'm I'm a bit more on the Taves side of the bandwagon than you are like my scale tilts more towards Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith Patrick Kane isn't even in that and and like part of me hates having discussions like this because it it sounds like we're knocking Patrick Kane and we're not I mean this guy he's a great player reigning MVP had a you know a, a phenomenal season last year is is very good again this year has been very good for for many good years. in the postseason yeah I mean sure. I, if if number one overall pick and if you're the Blackhawks, you're thrilled that you got him. You have you've never, you know, you have no regrets on uh, on the fact that uh, you built a franchise around this guy. But you know the the top 100, you know, like there's going to be some really really good players who are going to be left out of the top 100. And then there's a part of me that is really anxiously awaiting that unveiling because I think this is the kind of thing where unless you actually go through and do it yourself and come up with your own top 100 list, right. you just kind of assume, you hear certain names, and you just go, yeah, that guy's a top, that guy's a top 100. Sure, this guy, that guy. But you actually sit down and do it, and suddenly you're looking at your list, and you're like, I don't have Matt Sundin on this list. I don't have Mike Medano on this list. I don't have this guy or that guy that were, you know, multi-time all-star, slam dunk, first ballot, Hall of Fame, no questions asked guys who who don't wind up making the cut. And to have a guy who's, had a 10-year career with nine good to very good seasons and one and only one excellent top-tier best player in hockey conversation seasons as a as a sure thing i i don't know i can't i cannot get my head around it for a second and those first four or five seasons i remember i distinctly remember being at the stanley cup final in 2010 and i had to write a story about patrick kane and if, if you don't right for a living and you don't cover the entire playoffs it's really hard once you get to the stanley cup final to write something original about a guy because you've you've been following that team for two months you've written everything and plus the regular season you're out of stuff so my angle in 2010 mind you when patrick kane was still maybe like 20 pounds lighter and and 20 times lazier when it came to to back checking i wrote a thing about how his defense had improved during the course of the playoffs like it still wasn't great but it had gotten better because it had been very bad pretty much his entire career 
everybody I worked with laughed at me for weeks about that story because he was so really not that much better defensively, but I was completely <laughs> out of stuff to write about. So if, if you get a chance, in 2009, I want to say it was Michael Samuelson scored an overtime goal for the Red Wings in that conference final where Detroit won, but the year before Chicago won it. And I think it was overtime. Pretty sure it was overtime. It was it was either Samuelson scored it or he set it up. But Patrick Kane is on the ice. Just focus in on him because they give you that NBC long, long view of the of the goal. Watch how unbelievably little he cares about skating back to get into that play for that game winning goal. It's it's incredible. And that to me is that, that that's the guy he was, like Ovechkin basically before Barry Trotz got there. Only Patrick Kane is not the scorer that Alex Ovechkin. Like, like I remember when they first said this list was going to come out. Part of me was like, I wonder if they're going to screw Ovechkin. I could see them screwing Ovechkin, but now they can't. I mean, he's, he has a thousand points in in eleven seasons. But I just Chara, Aginla. I mean, all these guys. I would I would make the case for before Patrick Kane. And it seems like there's probably going to be like four or five guys currently playing today who are going to get screwed. It's just. Uh, not screwed. I'm sure they don't care if they're the 104th best player of all time instead of the 98th. But it's just, it's just really, really. But you are, you're going to see some fan bases go nuts. Oh yeah. You know that's the thing, right? Because they're not ranking it, presumably because they want to avoid that. They want to avoid a situation where, like, you know, somebody says that this guy is uh, the 80th best player and this other guy is 72nd. And even though there's really no difference between those two, but that's the fun of the list too. Like, if you're going to, if is. you're going to do the list, it you is. might as well do the list that way. And then put it out for people to to check out and purchase if you want. I feel like you'd need some supplementary content around it too that would really yeah, seal the deal. Yeah, that's what somebody should, that's what somebody should do. But no, sorry, go somebody ahead. Somebody should do that. <laughs> but you know, the, but the NHL's gonna get hit. Like when the Sedins don't make the list, you know, the, people in Vancouver are gonna are gonna freak out. And when uh, I mean, if Jerome McGinley doesn't make make the top one, I don't know. I mean, you know, and and and. You know, does does you know does Malkin make the list? Guy, you know, a guy who's at a similar stage in his career to to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. So you can't say, well, he he hasn't done enough. If those guys are going to be on the list, he's done you know far more in terms of individual honors and uh, you know a couple of Art Ross trophies and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, does he not make the list just because he plays on a team with Sidney Crosby? Then how come Taves and Kane don't? cancel each other out I, I don't or know. every I, Montreal Canadian during the course of like the 1970s yeah. like shouldn't they cancel each other out <sighs> who would you take like right now for instance who would you say who would you say is that has had the who who's more deserving of being on the list Mike Madano or Patrick Kane I mean to me Mike Madano right. is because I'm I'm not you know the list if we're doing a top 100 today then the you know, it, it, the list stops today. Mm-hmm. You don't get credit for what we think you're going to do down the line. We, you don't get credit for you've had half of an amazing career, so we go ahead and assume you're going to continue that. You get, you know, what have you done right now? And you know, I feel like if if we're going if we're going to judge guys based on their first ten years, that you know, there's all sorts of guys that that have had Patrick Kane like careers. Maybe not with the Hart Trophy. I mean, and you know, and 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 I do, you know, I give. Some points for that because to to be the best player in the league for a year, even if it's because you know Sidney Crosby was off and and this that and the other thing, that, that's still that's still something. But there's any number of guys who were really impressive up until you know they were 29 or 30 years old, yeah. and then and then you look back and you go, oh, okay, it didn't. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if the NHL was doing this list like eight years ago, that 
it's like Danny Healy would be in the top 100 players of all time <laughs> because somebody would be like, oh, yeah, 50 goal, back to back 50 goal seasons. And, you know, surely he's not going to just, you know, turn 30 and fall off a cliff and be out of the league in two years. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to Patrick Kane. I'm just saying you, you can't, you know, if, if you're going to put a guy on the list based on 10 years, they better be 10 great years with Hart trophies and Art Ross and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, first team all-star selections, uh, you know, all the time, which, you know, of which Patrick Kane has had two. He said he's been on a postseason all-star team twice in 10 years, which is impressive. It's two more than most guys get. But does that put you as a slam dunk in the top 100 players of all time? Uh, when apparently guys like Joe Thornton and Jerome McGinley are, are going to have to scratch to make it in if, if they make it at all. Well, speaking of uh, people crying about stuff, the IIHF apparently is uh, looking to do away with the shootout in the gold medal game a week after Team USA's junior hockey team won gold. You want to you wanna comment on that, you, you big Canadian crybaby, you? Absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely want to cry about this. And it's funny... Because somehow, even though it's a completely different topic than the last conversation, it sort of all circles back to Jonathan Taves. Always. Because anytime this comes up, and anytime there is a shootout in international competition, and Canadians always flip out about it. Because Canadians, I feel like Canadians even more than Americans hate the shootout. Like, we just viscerally dislike it. And everybody always goes, well, yeah, but, you know, what was it, 2006, when... She was on the other foot, and Canada beat the U.S. Uh, in in the semifinals, and it was Jonathan Taves taking shot after shot in the shootout and and single handedly beating Team USA. And they always go, oh, "You guys didn't, you guys didn't mind it then." Right. And it's like, yeah, we did. We we really <laughs> did. Like we don't like we liked winning, of course. But I, you know, like this idea that Canadians only complain about the shootout when they lose i can tell you when when that game was going on it was last last thursday night the gold medal game's going on when it went to overtime i tweeted out at the start of overtime i said if this overtime period ends and it's time for a shootout they should just keep playing and just see what the refs would do like if they just were like no we're good and kept sending out four right. or five guys at a time stop us and yeah like what are you what's gonna what are you gonna turn out the lights <laughs> like you know like it's 87 like you know we're just gonna settle this we've decided we're gonna settle this with real hockey and it got like 500 retweets right away and like all these people were like hey man like nobody was like well let's hold off and see if we see who wins it, there were fan both u.s and canadian fans were like yes please don't have this game end in a shootout uh, you know, Mike, Mike Medano, I think, tweeted out. He was like, this is a terrible ending to an amazing game. And it was. It was such a great game. Uh, and, yeah, the the, uh, the IHF is apparently considering. They haven't even made the decision yet. But they are considering doing away with the shootout in gold medal games. Is it all gold medal and, games or just the juniors? I think it was it was vague, but I, th- uh, I, I would assume in all games. Because if you're not going to do if if you're going to let them go you know, play quadruple overtime, if you're going to let 17 and eight year olds do that. You would think you would, you would do the same for, for, uh, you know, for the older guys. But uh, here, here's my argument. I don't think there should be a shootout in international hockey ever period. Any hockey, there, any hockey period. But Well, yeah, I mean, there's that too. And, you know, and, and you can have that discussion that the shootout is is awful and we should get rid of it. But at least in the NHL, like I've come to terms with the fact that you have to have either 
a shootout or you have to bring back ties. The, you know, it, infinite overtime is not an option in the regular season when you got to catch a flight across the country the next day. I get that. So, and, and I get that there's just a certain segment of the hockey world that just cannot handle the idea of, of ties. And okay, like I, if it was up to me, I would do 10 minutes of three on three overtime. And if you're still tied after that, then it's a tie and I, I can live with that. But I, I get that that's a non-starter for people. So I've, I've sort of resigned myself to that for when it comes to the NHL. International hockey, like, like I'm talking tournament, I'm talking the Olympics, World Juniors, whatever. There, there's, I, I would hope we would all agree there should never be a shootout in a gold medal game. Uh, I, I think it's not a very big step from there to say there should never be a shootout in any elimination playoff game. And, and I know the argument for that is, well, you know, sometimes these are condensed tournaments. They got to play the next night. Like, you know, what if what if U.S. and Canada are playing in the semifinals and they play quadruple overtime? And meanwhile, Russia beats Finland six to one and they're sitting there well rested. And, and my answer to that is too bad for U.S. and Canada Maybe you should have, you know, should have got the better matchup right, or right. should have played it more aggressively. You know, it's not that that's life. You chose to play a style of game that resulted in you going four overtimes. Then you you pay a price if there's a price to be paid. And Russia gets an advantage because they did the job in regulation. I, I don't I'd rather see that than have a coin flip, which is basically what a shootout is. OK, here's my counterpoint as somebody who, as you know, loads the shootout is fine with ties. Doesn't matter to me if a game ends one one. I don't believe the whole thing about fans going home disappointed stuff. I did not watch a millisecond of the junior hockey tournament this year until overtime. I was like, all right, I'm ready. To, it was like it was like an NBA game where I was like, all right, I'm ready to commit now. There's there's 20 minutes left. Now I'm going to watch. That was the shittiest overtime of all time. And this is coming from somebody that didn't have the drama build of the first three periods. But, like, everybody playing in that game at that point was gassed. It was just garbage hockey. The two best chances were, um, I think Canada had both of them. They were just basically, like, rebounds in the slot. And the, the, the kids just they just shot them wide. Like it, There was just – there were really no great chances, no pretty plays. It was just shots from the outside. And – as somebody who grew up on playoff hockey that would go five overtimes because of all the clutching and grabbing, I've watched so much better hockey since then growing up that that sort of hockey in overtime, like I get it, there's so much on the line and all that sort of stuff. That overtime wasn't good. It was slow and it was sloppy. And again, they played the night before. I get all that stuff. But I sort of don't mind the shootout from that perspective. And if you take away the shootout, you know what you're taking away. You're taking away Peter Forsberg's stamp. That's true. I mean, another difficult moment for for us Canadians. <laughs> that's the thing too is like there's there's been bad moments in shootouts before, and I and of course Twitter didn't exist you know back in the day. But w- was anybody mad when like why didn't the, why didn't the, why didn't the shootout go away when Dominic Hasek beat beat the Canadians? Like why why is it now all of a sudden? First of all, people were mad back then. I can tell you, people were mad in '94 with, with with Peter Forsberg. People were mad in '98 when Dominic Hasek single handedly knocked out knocked out Canada. The difference is that back then, before you had the shootout in the NHL, it was still this like kind of weird, exotic, interesting thing where you could at least say, you know what, like that was a bad way to end a game, but it was interesting at least. I mean, man, that, these these shootouts, they're, they're something else. Now that it's been in the NHL and we've seen it a thousand times, yeah. like I feel like the novelty is completely gone and, and people are just like, well, why are, why are we doing this? And and the other thing is, you know, when you, when you get back to these international tournaments, you know, I even go so far as th- we shouldn't be having shootouts in the round robin either, because if you're playing four games to determine who's going to advance and, and what the seating's going to be and, and all of this, 
Like in an 80 game season in the NHL, okay, sure. We got to have the shootout. We got to send the fans home with, you know, whatever that that logic is. Uh, And you hope 80 games is enough time for it to even out over the course of a year. Like four games, if if we're putting two teams against each other in, in this these crucial round robin situations, if these two teams play a game and an overtime period and they're still tied, just call it a tie. That's a fair result. Yes. That reflects yes. the quality of the game. You don't need to go flip a coin so that, suddenly, you know, I mean, you you look at, I mean, they did in the World Cup too, right? You know, they're doing shootouts in after uh, after round robin games. Why? Like who who is watching high-end international competition between two equally matched teams and seeing it end in a tie and going like, oh, I don't, I, I don't feel satisfied. Right. I don't feel like I got closure on that. Like, I get it. If you're watching the Islanders and the Coyotes in mid-November, maybe you feel like you have to deliver an artificial fake ending so that people go home and don't feel like they just wasted $300 to bring their family <laughs> to watch this terrible modern-day NHL product. But I mean, if you're like, it's the, the World Cup or the Olympics or something, like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, it's a tie. It's okay. What the, you know, and, and then, you know, at the end, it, the, we're, we're not going to have teams getting eliminated from, uh, you know, from the playoff round because, like I say, they lost a glorified coin flip three games ago. Let's do a couple questions and then, then get out of here because, uh, this boardroom is going to be taken over in, in, uh, six minutes by, I believe, a swarm of millennials. How is it that you're in a different room every single week I don't know. and there is always somebody like pounding the door down? I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but last week, me and Tim Barnes, our producer who's always here, we were in a room that was just like a little, like, 10 person movie theater, like a rich person was having their house. And like a woman walked in at like 152 and didn't realize we were in there. And so she just sat in silence for like seven minutes. And then, <laughs> and, and then like, and then like people kept like coming to the door and peeking in and stuff while we were trying to wrap up. And, and she was the woman who was in the room for eight minutes. We got done and she was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize anybody was in because we're sitting in the dark in this movie theater room. And so now we're upstairs in like a more, like a, like a, like an eight person conference room and there's like desks outside. And we used to do it in that, in that studio that like, that like old timey, like factory office thing, which was kind of always weird too, because I always felt like Tim could kill me there and leave me there for the week and nobody would ever find me. But now like there's, there's, there's witnesses if, if Tim ever goes off on, on murdering me. I'm just really disappointed that if that was the case, we didn't like start last week's podcast with like biscuits is taped in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> One of the things that i hear sometimes from people is they're like hey, i like the podcast but uh you know are you guys ever gonna have guests i think we should start just whoever has got the room booked at two o'clock gets to come on they get to be a guest yes. on the podcast for 10 minutes yes. let's find out what they think of patrick kane or what they think of alexander ovechkin when they're you know they think they're there to like screen some new york art house movie i tried talking caitlin kelly into coming on because she's she was like talking about how you know pretty uh henrik lundquist size are but she 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 chose not to she's an editor here and she's she send her a photo of babe die <laughs> she'll be she'll be in yeah two questions and then we'll get the hell out of here right. first one is uh topical because of uh um what should we call it p gate golden shower gate i don't know <laughs> oh. but dave bray wants to know what's the weirdest thing you've ever peed on I'll give you mine if you have to think about it for a little bit. My, mine's not really weird, but like I went to a I went to a fish concert in college, and it was at the Spectrum, and I peed on the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and it was awesome. It was it was very nice. It was a very good feeling because it was a very good feeling because it was peeing, and peeing always feels good. But it was just nice to pee on the Philadelphia Flyers home building at the time because I hated the Flyers and I hated Eric Lindros. So it was almost like I was peeing on the essence of Eric Lindros, and I think peeing on the essence of a hockey player is the weirdest thing I've peed on. 
I, I can't top that. I don't know, I, I don't know if I, I... I can't give you a weirdest thing. I can give you the worst thing I've ever peed on. Okay. Uh, the dumbest thing I've ever peed on. Uh, a campfire uh, with uh, like uh, a bunch of other guys when we hadn't checked which direction the wind was blowing. Oh, and a, a giant pea steam cloud proceeded to then float down and settle like over the tent. Don't do that. that. That's like my advice to younger people is always check which way the wind is blowing before you pee on the campfire. And they're like, oh, that's a cool metaphor. And it's like, that's, <laughs> that's not a metaphor. Like, I literally mean that. That is my advice. Is it, is it like weird whenever you see those friends now and you're like, hey, what's up? And it's like, oh, hey, what, what, what's up? And there's like the one guy that always brings it up. And you're like, we're never going to bring that up again. Stop bringing it up, Joe. God. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, the moment where you've made a mistake. And it takes a second for the, the gravity of the mistake to sink in. Like, imagine that, except you're watching a cloud just drift down towards where you're going to sleep. And you're just looking at your, the, into the dead eyes of your soon to be former friends, just going like, we've, this is terrible. This is, uh, I feel like that's like when the Leafs made the Rask for Raycroft trade. Like, I feel like that whole next season was just an extended version of that moment. Just being slathered in urine. Well, on the bright side, you could still be our president if you could ever figure out a way to get around the whole, you know, citizenship thing. You're you're not disqualified because of that. One more. This is a good one. This is one of those. These, these are my favorite kinds of questions. This is from Benjamin Frey Hess, like Walder Frey from Game of Thrones, I believe. He's, he wants to know, would you rather live in a friendlies and you can never, ever leave or be blind. <laughs> what? what? First of all, like, <laughs> it, what is a friendly? Is that like an American restaurant chain? Yeah, thing? yeah. Like, it's, um, okay. I don't know what the Canadian equivalent is, but yeah, like, you go in there, you get like a burger. I think the Canadian equivalent is like every Canadian restaurant. <laughs> so, like an A&W, maybe? I don't know. That's probably the equivalent. Okay. So I live there and I can't leave. Can't leave. You're always, or, I'm, or I'm blind. <laughs> or you're blind. Uh, I feel like I have to say that I, like, I feel like if I pick the friendlies, I'm being horribly insulting to, to blind people. I'm picking the friendlies. My two biggest fears in life are not dying. It's being paralyzed and becoming blind because, like, I feel like I would never be able to, like, adjust to that. I'm too weak a person is the reason why I don't want to be blind. Like, I would, I would completely never, ever come back for it or recover from it. But I could hang out in a friendlies for the rest of my life. There's, yeah. there's, there's good food there. There's, we could do it. We could split some chicken wings. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, fuck you. Goddamn chicken. <laughs> fucking, fucking chicken wings. Oh my god! Oh, Tim. Uh, uh, oh, one more person chimes in. He says, "What are the top three PP presidents? Oh, top three PP president puns you've seen on Twitter, or social media." Oh, we don't got time for that. We gotta go. <laughs> I can't narrow it down. That's like that's like narrowing down like the NHL, the ten thousand players who have dressed in the NHL to a top three. Yeah. Except there were more urine-based puns in four hours yeah they would they would they would, then, they would take too long to trickle out of us we couldn't we couldn't that would be a special oh <laughs> on that note um i believe that note. i believe it's time to wrap up the show um you know you know you know the usual places to go find me vice uh the comeback um all over the place uh sean sell yourself sean uh, you can find me on Sportsnet, the Hockey News, as well as Vice Sports. If you're listening to this on Friday, go to Vice Sports, read the weekly grab bag in which we look back at a 30-year-old video clip of how Wayne Gretzky was marketed, in which you get to watch uh, future Arizona Coyotes GM Mike Barnett and his gigantic mid-80s glasses oh, nice. uh, explain the explain the strategy of uh, how they're going to turn Wayne Gretzky into a global marketing phenom. Fantastic. And um, next week, me and DGB are probably going to have something fun to reveal that we may have hinted at 
15 times during the course of this podcast and uh we'll have some uh information on a little fun thing me him and uh some other hockey blogger you know you probably never heard of him uh we're putting together so uh be on the lookout for that tim barnes is our producer who doesn't really care about hockey and deals with us anyway and sits here for an hour and listens to us bullshit across uh, country lines uh there's a woman looking into the room holding her laptop she's smiling and not making eye contact she wants to come in the room it's her room now so we're gonna go so thanks for reading our podcast once again and uh we'll see you next week see ya all right guys planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.